Welcome to Missional Catholics, a new podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm Archbishop George Lucas. St. Luke recounts in the 10th chapter of his gospel how Jesus sent out 72 followers from all walks of life on a mission ahead of him, sharing how that the kingdom of God is at hand. Go on your way, Jesus told them. The conversations on this podcast will seek to illuminate ways each of us picks up that discipleship mantle and goes on our way uh, at the commission of, of Jesus, our Savior. As I talk with Catholics from across Northeast Nebraska and from other places, I hope each of you can perhaps see how you can witness our faith to a world that's very much in need of it. The guest on today's podcast is Deacon Steve Doran. Deacon Steve is a board-certified neurosurgeon with over 25 years of experience. He's an ordained permanent deacon, and he serves as the bioethicist for the Archdiocese of Omaha. His writings in bioethics, neurosurgery, and gene therapy for brain disorders have been widely published in national media outlets, in academic journals, and neurosurgery textbooks. And his most recent work, To Die Well, A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to the End of Life, was published recently by Ignatius Press. Deacon Steve is married with five sons and his family belongs to St. Margaret Mary Parish in Omaha. Along with his wife, Sharon, he is the co-founder of Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, an approach to understanding the scripture that has attracted thousands of participants in the Archdiocese of Omaha over the past 15 years. Well, thanks, Steve, for uh, taking the time for this conversation. Um, it just strikes me, I've, I've known you for a, a few years, and there just are a lot of um, dimensions or angles to your uh, life as a follower of, uh, of Jesus Christ. You're a husband and a father. Uh, you've dedicated yourself for over 25 years as, as a neurosurgeon uh, to helping people, I, I would say, some probably pretty difficult and crucial moments of, of their life. Um, it, uh, along the way, you um, recognized a call to the diaconate, and, and it was my privilege to ordain you a, a, a deacon. So um, maybe just uh, talk a little bit about, if, if you could, in the context of, of your vocation as, as a husband and father, how uh, maybe you've seen uh, the, the Lord calling you to, to these other um, manifestations of, of uh, his grace and, and of your, your cooperation with his grace. Well, thank you, Archbishop. I, I would start off by saying there, there's no doubt that God's grace has been present uh, in a powerful way. I maybe didn't recognize it at all times. And, and I reflect back to maybe when um, I didn't have such a, an integrated Steve. I, I wanted to be work Steve over here and Father Steve over here and Steve at church here. And so there was, the, there was this um, dichotomy or even sometimes duplicity of my life that I think sometimes coming to recognition of that, and sometimes that's a bit of a painful recognition, um, was one of the things that really started to uh, prompt me, at least in my uh, calling towards the diaconate. And the other thing that was really instrumental in that particular vocation um, was studying scripture. Um, you know, working with my wife, Sharon, with uh, the Bible study, Seeking Truth, really finally getting to know God's word in a, in a real way and in a, um, immersive way really was really transformational for me. And, and so, um, so this journey kind of towards first a vocation as a father, then, or husband, then father, and then physician, all I think was a preparation for, uh, a time in my life when those things would, would inform me and guide me towards this vocation, the diaconate, 
and that um, God's word was a big part of that, coming to terms with really wanting to lead an integrated life, not wanting to have different Steves out there, but really wanting to be that way, not saying do it well, um, but I'm trying and with God's grace continue to hopefully become more integrated that way. So that's my calling to the, to the diaconate. It, it isn't quite a nice, neat little story. Uh, that's just not how my life has gone, but but the calling is real. The calling is there. And and even despite the the demands that all these other things in my life uh, create, um, God has provided, has provided time and um, and provided most importantly, his 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 grace, which of course is sufficient, right? Yeah, always. Now, you've, you've encountered enough people along the way to know that hardly anybody's life goes in a straight line. That's true. Uh, but I think as we as we look back, we, we recognize, even though it, it, it might seem like there's been some fragmentation mm -hmm. in our lives, God's been there in, in, in all of those. And it's beautiful to hear you talk about how um, the study of scripture, mm -hmm. uh, encountering the Lord there, uh, maybe in a more personal way, and uh, that that he's, he's drawn this all together. I would just say, you know, the... Um, the, your, the, what you and Sharon have done uh, in, in this archdiocese with, see, with seeking truth has been a, a benefit to so many people, and I think uh, that probably are are uh, many who have participated in seeking truth over the years who could say something like you have just said. You know that they've gotten to know Jesus better, uh, have encountered the the living Lord in, in His Word, and 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 that has maybe opened a, a path to to something something further. Well, and and, and to be able to work in ministry with my wife is just. I can't tell you how wonderful that's been to have this common desire to to work for the Lord. And I know couples who many couples who have that, but it's not always um practical or possible for them to share ministry together. And and so it's been it's been a great thing for our marriage too. I, I just can't say enough about it. Yeah. Well that's good. Well, thanks so much for uh for doing it. I've always enjoyed when I get a chance to visit you, but I've been for about fifteen years, I think. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. So, mm -hmm. uh, um again that, that that's really it's really beautiful. Well, in, in your spare time, recently, <laughs> um, you've uh, uh, you became interested in in, uh, in writing a book, and it's been published now. Uh, it's called "To Die Well: A Catholic Neurosurgeon's Guide to to the End of Life," um, and uh, I uh, had the privilege of of reading it before it was published, and and uh, have have uh, have looked at it again. So, uh, congratulations on thank you on this. That's uh, it's quite a quite a project, but it, but it's a beautiful one too because I think it's going to be uh, a benefit to, uh, to to many people who are uh, in ministry, but also um, the people in, in the pews. We uh, we might say go, um, going forward. Uh, one of the things that you talk about right away in the, um, in the book is that so many times we sort of settle for our view of death as just you know, the body kind of conks out and and then that you know that's that's the end of things, but um, through your work as a neurosurgeon, but but also as a man of faith, you see that there there's so much more uh, to life and and death. And maybe you could just talk about why, uh, after all these years, that this seemed like a good uh, a good time to to um, to take on this project and and what what you hoped uh, um, kind of primarily to to share with those who might read it. Well, I think the thing that maybe was the, the initial. Um, reason to even consider this was just my own experience as a, a physician and neurosurgeon when I would encounter either patients or their family members and someone's been diagnosed with a serious illness or is uh, impending death, um, how infrequent it was or is that they really hadn't thought about it or hadn't talked about it. Um, it always 
surprise me that someone could be any given age and were faced in this decision, either with a patient or if they can't speak for themselves, a, a family member, well, here's what our options are. Here's you know what we could do or not do. What do you think your spouse would want? And it was just like this blank stare. Now, granted, I have to, there's, there's got to be grace. There's a shock. There's a lot that's going on. And I, and I understand that. And we have to be patient. But by and large, so many people had really never talked about it. Even fewer contemplated it. And very, very few, I think, really had prayed about you know the reality of death. I mean, it's. It, I mean, there's all these jokes about death and taxes. I mean, we think about taxes, but we don't think about death yet. It's inevitable, and um, and then so that was kind of the initial starting point uh, for it. I also, having um, studied and have written in more academic areas, recognize that there's some kind of um, nuances and um, distinctions that can be very complicated, hard to digest. Um, and yet are important in this process and having a desire to, to be able to speak to those situations that I think needed to be distilled down in a way that's still, that's approachable, but also doesn't, um, uh, dilute it so much that it doesn't mean anything. So I, I think the complexities of, of decision-making, I thought there needed to be a, a, a good explanation that people could access. And then quite honestly, put it in one spot, you know, where people could, you know, pick it up and, and thought, well, what? what about this issue? What about that issue? And, and not have to go all over the place. Cause I mean, the content in there is nothing new in the sense that there's stories that are my stories and my patient stories, but the content's been worked out by the church and other things, but it wasn't always readily accessible. So all that kind of together was the impetus to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the, um, the, the stories are an important part of it. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I appreciated reading them. Uh, it's a way in to this issue for, for any reader. I think it, it, it certainly was. Uh, for me, because th th they sound familiar from my own life and my own experience, that the the situations that that people uh, often find them, themselves in, either uh, because of of their own health uh, and challenges to their health, or someone in the, that's close to them that that, that they're caring for. I, I like the, that you said they're familiar because that's I think that's true because I think most of those stories that are in there, people can recall going through something similar. In fact, one of the, some of the feedback that I've had from the book are from individuals who've come to me after they've read it and said, oh, I went through this two years ago. And, and I always wondered if, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decisions? And this is, and the book gave me consolation, like, oh, okay. I had, I did the best I could with the information that I had. And so there's that familiarity there, or someone's going through it now, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this with my spouse. I'm dealing with it myself. And this is really helping me because what I read here is, is very familiar. I'm going through this right now. So, so that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I wanted it to be familiar. Yeah. I think, you, you know, you get uh, later on in the book, you get to the, to uh, church teaching and, mm -hmm. and the application of, of that. But, um, uh, I think by uh, entering into the stories, it, it kind of warms our hearts to the, to the challenge that uh, is, is being faced day by day um, by some of our friends and, and neighbors, but also that, that any of us might, uh, might be facing in the, the, the desire to enter lovingly into, into those, those challenging situations. Well, I recognize I'm a very, I, I am in a very privileged position as, as a physician. Um, and, and as, um, hopefully, um, the graces of my ordination become integrated further into that. It's a very, it's a very privileged, special place to be. And I, I've recognized that for a long time. And, and a very holy time. Death is a super holy time. So I'm I'm very grateful that 
to be a part of these stories because it's it's really a blessing to be to be with people during these times. Yeah, I'm sure you've had to wrestle with the the desire of of of, of your patients that it would be the desire of any of us to, for you to just make this go away. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the challenge that uh, that we're facing, and sometimes there's a cure for for um, for a condition, but often we know that there isn't, or that can that needs to be managed, or it's going to uh, lead through a time of diminishment, physical or, or mental diminishment to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to the point of death. So you, um, as a man of faith, have uh, kind of face that yourself. Right. That, that it's right. Not too, I can't just make it go away. Right. No. And, and I think that, um, you know, the, the desire for something to go away can either lead us into frustration or despair or anger or depression because we can't make it go away. Don't want to go away. Or if we recognize what we are here, what our lives truly are, and as sad it is as it is, and as hard as it is, that dying is it, that's how we become ultimately united with Christ, right? You know, I think that that our our world sees death um, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, like everything just shuts down, that's it. But we believe as as Christian Catholics that death is when our you know our body we're as persons were a united body and soul. And that um, when we die, yes, our, our bodily functions cease, but our soul lives on. And and that reality, if if you forget that reality, you do so at your own personal peril. And if you as a, a spouse or one of making decisions, or me as a as a healthcare provider, if I forget that, forget that, you know, we have an immortal soul and all we focus is on the biology, the reality of the body, it can lead to all sorts of disordered things. You know, that one of the things I talk about often is that death and dying become medicalized. That is like, you know, uh, illness and injury, they're, they're the enemy and we're going to fight the enemy. And, and, um, and the spiritual realities of the patient are, you know, they're over here. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. And then when we lose the battle because our medicines and our surgeries, our weapons don't work against the enemy. Okay. On to the next war next battle and over here we still have this person still alive whose emotional and spiritual needs are you know oftentimes just ignored and i think that's the root of a lot of our problems in society is that we forget that we are a body and soul that we have a spiritual reality and if we forget that it it creates all sorts of havoc not just in death and dying but in so many other ways you can imagine yeah thanks it's one of the things i really um appreciate about how how you've uh written here that you you you've um, I'm sure you've always done this, but certainly have, have been able to develop a sense of, of really being focused on the person and not simply on a condition or see the person as a problem or that you're somebody with a problem, but there's a, uh, a child of God uh, in front of you who is, you know, at an important moment in their life and in, in their life's journey. And uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, sure that for many, especially a, a serious diagnosis, it must be very isolating, uh, must be uh, stir up a lot of fear, um, anxiety. And, and so the, 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 um, the opportunity to have someone like yourself who, who sees them as a, as a person, as a brother or sister in, in the Lord, um, that that in itself is a great, is a great gift and, and a great source of comfort. People are very open. I mean, if, I mean, I, I'm, I'm mindful, I am respectful of people's beliefs and all those things, but, it, but if there's just the tiniest little crack of, you know, someone says, um, well, God bless you, or 
um, people are praying for you. It just opens up the door a little bit to have a conversation. People are so desiring and so eager because they are afraid. And who wouldn't be afraid when they're dying? I mean, that's natural. Who wouldn't be afraid of this big surgery coming on? And the opportunity to bring Jesus into that conversation is is a huge consolation for the patient and quite honestly, super rewarding for me as a physician that, you know, I'll come home on the share and say, you won't believe it. I prayed with this patient today and they were in tears and 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 as opposed to oh, I did this big surgery. And so so professionally and 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 personally for me, the opportunity to to engage with the patient at a deeper level spiritually is it's a win. It's a win for everybody and 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 has really um, something that has enriched my 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 career as a as a physician uh, has enriched my uh, vocation as a deacon and and I think it hopefully it's made me a better husband and father too in some way. Yeah, I've heard from a number of your patients over the years how much they have appreciated your openness to to pray with them mm-hmm. to to be open to their faith to start with and, and then to to want to support that as you're supporting them and uh, supporting them medically. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's it's beautiful. It's a great. That's a great gift that 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 you offer uh, to them. Another thing I might ask you to, to talk about a little bit more. You um, again something I appreciated about the book was that there's um, you're a man of faith as, as am I, and, and you know we take the the teachings of our Catholic faith seriously. But um, you, you you make it really very clear that our faith, uh, the teachings of, of our faith, help us understand uh, that dying is an important part of of living, and and that it's an important. Uh, moment in, in our relationship with the Lord. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, one of the things that about the title, um, to die well, you know, begs the question, what what does it mean to die well? And is there such a thing as a bad death? You know, and uh, big questions and, 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 and the title kind of provokes those questions. To answer the first one, what is a good death? I, I would say, what isn't a good death? You know, I think what our what our culture wants to tell us that a good death is one that is uh, pain-free, peaceful, surrounded by loved ones, um, that doesn't take too long, but long enough, which is indeed a great way to die. And and, and that's wonderful. Um, but that in and of itself cannot be the definition of a good death. And you can see why that if you hold that up as the, the standard for a good death, that means, well, we need to do everything we can to meet that standard, which then naturally leads down the road of assisted suicide and euthanasia, that we're going to try to make this process idealized, and then we do everything we can to achieve that goal. So a dangerous way of thinking that that is the definition of a good death. And if we look at, well, we just have to look at Jesus. I mean, he had the terrible death. I mean, isolated, tortured, you know, abandoned, all those things. And yet we hold his death up as the uh, good death par excellence. So so culture's definition of a good death, we, we we can't use that. So so what is a good death? Well, that's a good question. I say Robert Bellamy said, you know, in order to die well, one must live well. Okay, so how do you live well? Well, he talks about, you know, the necessity of living a life of virtue, uh, frequenting the sacraments, uh, which is all part of our faith, right? That's That's what we desire to do as Catholics is to live a life of virtue, frequent the sacraments, um, availing ourselves to confession when we inevitably fail. And so that's part of it too. And I think another big part of living well so that we can die well is um, trying to detach ourselves from from the world in the sense of worldly things. I mean, the saints write about this all the time. You know, uh, Ignatius writes about this holy indifference or, or John the Cross talks about 
freeing ourselves from the, uh, detachments to creatures. So being detached from things of the world, yet while living in the world, is I think an important part of living well, because then what ends up being a death that's not so good? You know, well, it's when I think people cling, when they cling to things of the world, yeah, and they're good things, or their life is a good thing, friends and family are a good thing, but if they cannot see beyond that, cannot see beyond the spiritual realities that await them, there's this, this desperation, this clinging. And so then it becomes very, very difficult for someone to go through the dying process without being afraid, unnecessary. I mean, everybody's afraid a little bit, I get that. But by being just terrified and hanging on and wanting everything last done to the moment of death, futile care arises out of that because they're clinging. And so I think that's, that's what's so important about dying well. It begins way, way, begins with our baptism, right? You know, when we're infused with the grace of the Holy Spirit, which is nurtured with the sacraments, uh, confirmation, and nurturing those, that the God within us, so that as we live all through the bumps and ups and downs, as the end of life approaches, we're, we're ready, as ready as we can be. And I think we've helped the people around us be ready mm -hmm. for, our, for our death as well, because what you're saying in another way is um, that uh, all through life, we, we want to invite the Lord in. We want him to be with us in everything, uh, all the ups and downs of life and to have, uh, have our trust in him. And really, as you talked about earlier with, with yourself, to really develop a more familiar relationship with him through the scriptures, through, through, the, uh, through our participation in the sacraments. So that it's clear to ourselves, but also clear to those around us that we desire to, to be as close to the Lord as we can be. And, and we know that he wants to, 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 to be with us. And, and as you mentioned, it's right at the heart of our faith that, that uh, Jesus gave his life on, on the cross. He's, uh, he's not a, a stranger uh, to, to death and, and to the, the pain of death. And so he's not afraid to be with us at, at, at that moment. And it, it can actually be, as, as, as you point out, a, a time of intense communion uh, with, with the Lord, it, it, perhaps in the midst of suffering, uh, as, and maybe some anxiety, but uh, it, it can be a help to us and, and to, to those around us to have lived that way. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we're very um, convinced that in that, at that moment that the, that the Lord is near. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I agree. I, I just think that um, uh, the church, what I love about how the church prepares us, she prepares us for all of this. She prepares our hearts, she prepares our souls, so that as we go through life and, and, and death, if we avail ourselves to what the church offers us, it, it really it really smooths the way. I mean, it's gonna be hard, nothing's easy, mm -hmm. but, but the sense of helplessness, the sense of abandonment that I think a lot of people feel as the end of life approaches, I think those, those feelings can be uh, um, mitigated, can be reduced. And I really like what you said about the idea that as we go through this process, we're hopefully bringing people along with us, right? That as that as I go through my my journey spiritually, hopefully that I'm inviting people into my experience so that they, you know, I'm not just telling them things about the Lord, that they, they hopefully see the Lord working in my life, you know, despite all my imperfections. So so that that process is one of, you know, discipleship, right? I mean, disciples aren't people who stand with with boards and signs and 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 profess this is what we believe. There are people who invite into your own life, you know, that personal relationship, inviting someone into your life. And so this is, this is like, I feel like there's almost like this reverse discipleship sometimes in, in my work where uh, patients open their hearts to me. They're in a sense being disciples to me. They open themselves up to me 
And again, what a privileged place, you know? So it's this mutual um, um, accompaniment, right? Isn't that the buzzword now, accompaniment? I mean, that's, that's a beautiful word. Though. It is a beautiful a, word. And a beautiful experience. With, it is. Yeah, as, you're, as you're describing. It is a beautiful word. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah, I have the same experience in, in, in my ministry. I just have, uh, get so much inspiration and strength from, from the people around me. I'm hoping to offer some, you know, some teaching or the celebration of the sacraments or whatever, but, but, but so much. So much uh, comes back to us. Yeah, you're really describing, you know, a, a kind of evangelization, a, a, a person who's living well, uh, able to approach death from a, from the position of, of, of faith and, and trust in the Lord. Really, I think does awaken in the people around him, him or her, a, a, a sense uh, that there's something real and important going on here, and that maybe that's something that they could uh, share in or, or, or have it as as their own experience. Yeah, I, I think as much as I think the the book is a, a resource, a ready resource, um, you don't have to remember any of that. You can pull it off the shelf if you have a question. What what my really my hope is that people when they read this book or other books, um, that ultimately it, it touches their heart to think about what how what, what what is God calling me to do? What's my relationship with God? How can I get to know Him better? I can always go back to the resource and look up the things that I need to. But that's my hope is that this serves as an invitation for people to to contemplate their lives, to grow in relationship with the Lord. And um, and uh, we'll figure the details out later. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it, it does that very well. And, and um, I've appreciated reading it myself and really uh, offer it to uh, to others. It's something that you, uh, you don't have to be a neurosurgeon to be able to understand <laughs> it. it. It's it's uh, very um, well written uh, and in a very encouraging way for, for any of us. Uh, in terms of encouragement, maybe we could just sort of back up a little from the particulars of, of this, and just uh, wonder if there is—is is there some encouragement that you might offer to uh, a, a young person? Try to maybe think back uh, to yourself. You're not all that old, but but, <laughs> but you know maybe when you're just kind of beginning, thinking yeah. about your career, right. beginning, beginning it. Um, some some encouragement in, in terms of of uh, where you you might um, look f uh, for an understanding of, of the Lord's plan or His desire for you and. And how, how what kind of encouragement you might offer somebody in terms of, of following that? Well, don't necessarily follow my example in that um, I, I tell people I, I think I made the right decision for the wrong reasons sometimes early in my in my life, and I would love to say I I was one who was discerning. I was at best deciding, and and my encouragement for and maybe that's part of being a surgeon. You got to act decisively, make quick decisions. It drives my wife nuts. You know, we don't have to figure this out right now, Steve. And, so part of that's built within me and my personality. Part of it's been uh, encouraged by being a surgeon. But what I would encourage anybody in their discern, in their vocation or whatever is to truly, as best you can, take the time to discern. And discernment by its nature means seeing where the Lord fits into this equation, right? Um, I would love to say that I really fit the Lord into my equation of being a neurosurgeon. Well, that wouldn't be accurate, you know? But thanks be to God, grace is there and things work out. Um, so I would say really really practice discernment. And if need be, read about it. What does it mean to discern? What What is that? Because we're not really taught discernment and it isn't always intuitive. You know, spend some time, spend some time learning about what discernment truly is and and then really applying that to, to vocation, marriage, uh, religious life, uh, priesthood, whatever it might be. You know, really discern. Don't just decide like I did. Yeah, the Lord uh, desires to meet us where we are and um, he works with with us, with our personalities, and with, and with yeah. our pluses and minuses, we we all have them. But I think that the important part of discernment is is to know that 
that the uh, the Lord is not distant and and that He has really deep desires for us that that are good. They're good for us. They're good for other people as we d- discern them and and um, begin to to follow Him. And and sort of back to our, the, the topic of the book, what, whatever the Lord has in mind for us is really life giving. Well, well, thanks again for for taking the time for this conversation. Thanks for for taking the time to write this book. I don't know how you found the time to do it. But it's it's obviously uh, uh, there's it's a very thoughtful reflection from your experience and, and also from 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 your faith. Um, I I think uh, there are some who are watching this who are going to want to want to get the book and read it. Can you can you say where we where they might find it? Yeah, I mean it's available at you know any of the major outlets like Amazon, um, Ignatius Press directly from them. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I have a website. I can't believe I have a website. StephenDoran.com. I've fallen so far. Um, <laughs> so it talk, people will find good things. There. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's things about the book, but there's also kind of other information about um, some of the other writings that I've done um, and um, uh, my profession as a neurosurgeon, the diaca and things like that. So, so the website, uh, Amazon, uh, Ignatius. Um, uh, those are it's readily readily available in any of those places. Uh, good. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. It's good. You, you know, for, you're very generous in sharing what you've learned. You know, and what what the Lord has shown you and what you have been able to um, to, to discover and discern over the years. So so thanks for that. We'll give some uh, information about how to find okay. the book in in, in in our notes. But uh, thanks very much. Thank you. you. Give my best to share it. Thanks. Thank for you. The, Thank you. Your ongoing good work with right. with seeking truth and and I hope. From, uh, Many people will be blessed by by being able to, to read and and um, reflect on what you've written. Well, thank you, Archbishop. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, thanks. thanks. God bless you. It's been great to have this time for a conversation with Deacon Steve Doran. Uh, I really uh, appreciated uh, being able to uh, read his book and to recommend it to others, and I, I don't hesitate to recommend it uh, to all of you. Uh, I was particularly uh, moved by his uh, description of his own discernment, uh, where uh as a younger man, he thought his life might have been somewhat fragmented, even though he was on a very good uh, path, but uh, came uh, to discover a, a more personal relationship with the Lord and a clearer sense of, of, of the Lord's will for him uh, as he became more familiar with Scripture and, and shared uh, the opportunity to study Scripture uh, w- with, with others. Uh, he's presented uh, now as he, as he talks to us about uh, how to, to die well, uh, a sense of, of really how to live well. Uh, how to invite uh, our Lord Jesus Christ in to the uh, various aspects of our lives, the the challenges, the, uh, the joys, the the sufferings, uh, and to maybe bring others along with us in in terms of a growing trust in the Lord, so that when we come uh, to to the end of life, we can see it as an important part of our life in, in Christ, uh, not something to to be feared or uh, worse to be ignored, uh, but something uh, to be uh, embraced in the Lord in the context of, of the community of, of believers. Uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, for watching. I do recommend uh, Dr. Doran's book uh, to you. We'll uh, give you some notes on, on where you might uh, be able to find it. God bless you.